this year we're talking about life in the kingdom of God. And right now we're in the series, we're talking about what it means to be the people of the kingdom of, of God. We have this wonderful prayer that Jesus prayed. If you've never read it, go and read John chapter 17. The entire chapter is a prayer. So it's Jesus praying. He's praying for those disciples and for those of us who would later believe. And, and, and he knew that there would be, that we would believe and that we would be formed into a people. It's described in 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In this series, what we're doing, we're, we're discovering what we have as the people of the kingdom of God. And to do that, we're studying the books of Acts and we're understanding not only our origins, but what God has infused in us by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, to the glory of our Father who has been at work to bring about this great redemption. And today, what we're gonna learn is to understand what we have in God's blessing and God's blessing as the people of the kingdom of God. God's blessing is life, life in Christ in the local church. The, the blessing is not only to be the church, but to be in the church and a part of what he's doing. Last Sunday, we had a, a, around 40 or 50 folks who were joining our congregation. They were going through the M&M process, the M&M class, where we do have lots of M&Ms and they were all glorious. Everyone, especially the caramel ones, if you can get them, they're good living, okay? What was fun was to read their testimonies. Each one of them so different, saved at different ages, coming from different backgrounds, different parts of the country. But there was one consistent hero. There was one savior. There was one who intervened that gave and transformed their life. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what's so exciting is once Jesus becomes your king, and you identify with him publicly in baptism, he then forms us into these families, families called local churches. And there's something powerful that happens when God brings together citizens of the kingdom of God who've been born again and who have made public their belief in Jesus Christ through baptism, who, who then begin to live out this life together in the love that we have in Christ Jesus. We become dangerous, dangerous to the darkness of this world because we bring light and life and love, the very things that only God can give. And it, and it transforms a culture. It transforms a people. You know, you take a single match. It's not very dangerous necessarily, but you take a, thousands of matches and put them in the right conditions. Well, you can have a forest fire. How many of you guys remember back in 2016, those forest fires in uh, Eastern Tennessee? Uh, a lot of us knew and know Gatlinburg. I remember Carrie and I were actually there uh, just away for, for uh, just a, a quick vacation, just she and I, and we could smell the smoke. And it was crazy to us to see within a month's time how the fires had consumed. I mean, there's some pictures of it there. Had just consumed that area. It's a little statistics. Uh, 10,000 acres inside the, the park, 6,000 outside of it. 14,000 residents had to, be, uh, had to evacuate. 2,000 buildings were destroyed. 14 people uh, lost their lives. It all began with a single spark. It's amazing how dangerous a single spark can become. And so when the church was born in Acts chapter two, that single spark has changed the world. It began with the Holy Spirit coming down with fire, as fire on these 12 men. And as these men began to proclaim the gospel and the spirit of fire began to move, there was transformation. Last week we sang this, this is King of Kings and the church of Christ was born. 
Then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint. This, this fire has brought warmth to our world, but it has absolutely transformed it. As the gospel went from Jerusalem, Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And now every local church, those who are composed of baptized believers now have this fire. And as we live out who we are in Christ, we get to experience and be God's blessing. And our text today helps us know what we have in God's blessing and basically where, where it comes from. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Acts chapter 2. I'm using these, uh, this journal this morning that we've been uh, making available. I think we still have some available there at the 1040 Cafe. It's a Bible journal where you can journal on one side, scriptures on the other. This morning we're in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Mallory's going to come read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Acts chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one with you. That's our gift to you. We've got more. We're in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Mallory, read that for us. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated. Thank you, Mallory. Pray now for the preaching of God's word. Uh, just a reminder, in Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus uh, had been raised. He had conversations with the apostles and others for 40 days, proving that he was alive. He gave them uh, a second rendering of the Great Commission. He said, you'll be my witnesses to uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Once the Holy Spirit has come, he said, hang tight, stay here, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So while they were waiting, Matthias was raised up to be on the apostolic roster, uh, Judas having taken his own life. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we call it Pentecost. And it was there, moved by the Spirit of God, the apostle Peter fulfilled his calling given to him by Jesus in the latter chapters of John. And he began to feed the Lord's lambs, feed his sheep. He began to preach the gospel. And what we looked at last week was when the people asked, what do we do? And, and how he said, repent and believe and what that means. And it says that 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. And so then those 3,000 people began to be a local church. And what we have in our text today, verses 42 through 47, it's a description of it. And there's, there's a lot there. There's five things I'm going to point out to you. Now, you wouldn't have believed how long this outline was when we first started on Monday. It was, there's a lot here, okay? I, we've narrowed it down to five things. I'm going to go ahead and give those five things to you right now. So if you're taking note, go ahead and get all five of these. And I'm going to come back and process them with you. So understand, these five things, they form a circle. And, and, and it provides the minimal qualities of a healthy local church that is gospel formed. And so understand, it's, there's a gospel-shaped conviction. We're going to talk about this conviction, what it is, how it continues through the life of a disciple of Jesus. There's gospel-shaped awe. I love that word. It's, it's a word that we need to bring back into our vocabulary and, and concepts when we consider God. Gospel-shaped generosity. 
what that, what that feels like, how it functions. Gospel-shaped family. We had put the word friendship, but then we talked about it and we realized, you know what? This is more than friendship. This is family. The, the Bible uses the metaphor of family for a reason. God is our father. He's adopted us into his family. And that's what makes us citizens of the kingdom of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ because we're family. And last, gospel-shaped influence. There is this, this impact. Now, when I say gospel-shaped, what does that mean to be gospel-shaped? Well, let's first, let's think about what the gospel is. When we use three circles, we use the three pictures. We talk about this a lot. We talked about it last week. Um, for those of you who may be new, here's how we describe the gospel. There's three symbols, the, the arrow down, the cross, and the arrow up. That's the gospel. You say, what does that mean? It means God came down and dwelled among us, that God took on flesh. He came down from heaven and he took on flesh and he lived a holy life. And then on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for our sins. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus, he gave his life, his blood was shed to pay the penalty for our sin. And on the third day, he was raised. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. If, if you believe that, you have new life. If, if you live in that power, you have the power of the resurrected Christ at work in your life. And something wonderful happens when that belief drives everything about your existence and forms your relationships. It becomes gospel formed and you'll never be the same. You will be changed. The gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything about how you see the world, how you feel about the world, what you do in the world. It changes everything. And local churches are formed because of it, because we have all agreed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we've agreed in covenant to stand together under his lordship and live out what he has commanded in his word. And so looking at these five qualities, they're all crucial. Don't look at this and say, well, I got that one. No, 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 no. All five, it forms a circle that is not to be broken. It's a, it's a function of reality of who we are. Now, let me, let, me, let me walk you through each one of this. Let's talk about conviction for just a minute. There was this devotion that existed amongst this first church. And notice what they were devoted to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Understand, God always works according to his word. There is power in his word. Everything that God has said he will do and everything God has determined will be accomplished. If you don't know this one, make sure you know Isaiah 55, 11. It's one of the most important scriptures in the Bible about the Bible itself. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, declares the Lord. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. There is a power in the word of God because it's God's word, it will get done. And so God always works according to his word and also among his people. So their devotion was not only to the apostles' teaching, but, which is the word of God, but also to one another because God works among us. Listen to what Jesus said. This is Matthew 18, 20. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. It is crucial that we be engaged in the word of God and in fellowship with one another. God, God always brings about change and that's his will. And that change begins with conviction. When you come in contact with the word of God and the spirit of God is moving, the way we feel it, the way we experience it is conviction. There's something inside of us that says, this is not right. Right? 
this is not good. There, there must be a change. So when we think about not only coming into salvation, but, but the entirety of the Christian life, this is why we use the three circles because it's so helpful. We understand, I guess, go ahead and put it up. We understand God's design was harmony, perfection, but because of sin, there's been brokenness, brokenness with our relationship with God, brokenness within, which breaks our relationships with others. That's where all brokenness in this planet comes from. It comes from sin. But thanks be to God, because Jesus entered our world, died an atoning death, was raised on the third day. We can repent, turn away from self-sufficiency, and we can believe the gospel, the truth of what God has done in Christ Jesus, and be saved. That frees us to pursue and recover God's design, which will draw us close to God. And then something happens, and this is going to be hard to necessarily explain, but those of you who believe, you're going to understand it immediately. If you're not yet a believer, this will be odd for you, but stick with us. For those of you who believe, you know, the closer you get to God, the further you feel from him. Now, why is that? Because the closer you get to God, the more holy you realize he actually is and how much sin is still at work in your members. For those who are Christians who, who do not feel that, here's what you need to understand. You're not growing. You're not a healthy disciple. If you are not feeling conviction regularly in your life, you're doing something wrong because you are far from perfect and there's still a work that needs to be done by the power of the word and the spirit that is at work in those who believe. And so if you believe and you're pursuing and recovering God's design, you will get closer to that design. But the closer you get to that, that designer, God himself, the more you will become aware of sin that's at work in your flesh and the brokenness that is is causing, which is conviction. And then you will have to repent and believe the gospel, not for salvation, but for sanctification, to be formed more like into the likeness of Jesus, which will what? Cause you to pursue and recover God all the more, which will do what? Make you feel further from God, seeing his holiness, which will do what? Bring conviction and the desire for change. Friends, this is happening over and over in every true growing believer's life. And it comes to this devotion. The early church was, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we too, we are to be devoted not only to the teaching, but to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Studying the word together grows us better. It's good to study the word of God alone. I was, I was in the word this morning and, and it was so rich. But I'm going to tell you, when I get my, with my men's group, when, I, when we get in discussions, there's something that, that, that happens. It's, it's penetrating. It's convicting. A few weeks ago, we had my dear friend Brady Cooper here, and he was speaking to um, our men, and he was talking about one of the things that really devastates the Christian life, and it's pride. And he was talking about how it's hard necessarily to see pride in yourself in isolation. And, and so he gave us a, a, a pride exam, a pride test. So I know most of you sitting here right now are probably thinking, I'm, I'm not proud. Okay, here we go. Here's the test. Let's see how you do. Question number one. In a group picture, do you find yourself first? <laughs> Why? You're self-consumed. Because of pride. Second question. Does it bother you to be corrected? We occasionally have to correct people here and it's always hilarious to me to watch people complain about the way in which we corrected them. Well, I just don't appreciate the process. 
You know, I mean, he just, Pastor Jason just came right out and said, you're sinning, you need to repent, here's what you did wrong. I just didn't feel the love. <laughs> you want to talk about the process, but not the correction, because none of us likes to be corrected. Why? Pride. Do you struggle with anger? Hmm. What is anger? It's the distance between reality and your expectation of everybody else. Notice I didn't save yourself because we're all perfect, right? Where does anger typically come from? It comes from our expectation and the lack of how it doesn't meet reality. Does that keep happening over and over? Here's why. Because you think you're not the problem. This is just free. This is the side. You are part of the problem. Number four, do others' successes bother you? One of the men in our group said, no, but when other child, others' children succeed and mine does it, it bothers me. We all said, why don't you just be quiet? <laughs> well, that's just conviction. That's convicting. You ever heard of FOMO, fear of missing out? Oh, mom and dad. Oh, the pride. Do you interrupt others? You ever been trying to talk to someone and tell them something, they keep interrupting you? Why? Because they think they're smarter than you. Why do you interrupt people? Because you don't care what they're saying because you're the most important person in the room. And what you say is so much more important, so you interrupt. Um, are you a story topper? Now, Pastor Brady told a great story. When he played baseball, he said they had this guy on the baseball team. Every time someone would tell a story, this guy always had a bigger and better story. Hey, we caught a fish. Oh, I caught one twice that side. You know, the, a story topper. So they started making up stuff that wasn't even true. Just, and he would top it every time. Why? Pride. Oh, number seven. Do you think you're always right? Friends, nobody's always right. By the way, stop throwing elbows. I see that going on, all right? It's not about that right now, okay? It's not about, it's not contact sport right now. It's individual work with the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Oh, this, was, this one made me laugh. Do you tear down, uh, do you tell yourself down so that others will compliment you. I'm so ugly. Tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm so not smart like y'all. Tell me how smart I am. Tell me, tell me, tell me. It's pride. Now, you could do this by yourself, but I'm going to tell you, it's funny to do this with a group of people who love you and know you. And how many, I saw the elbows, praise be to God. I know. We know everybody else's stuff. And that's the point. It's being devoted to the word of God and to the fellowship. Having people that you're experiencing life with that, that are there, this conviction, it happens as, as we're devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And when we do that, when, when we're under this conviction, we can't help but, second thing, be in awe of God. And that's the second thing, God-shaped awe. Look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. Jump down to verse 47. And they were praising God. The early church was in awe of God and praised him. And let me ask you, when was the last time you were actually in awe? And what does it even mean? What does it look like? I, I saw this on, on a reel. And so I thought, this is what awe looks like to me. Watch this. Well, look at their little precious faces, all right? Don't look at that. That's awful. But look at their faces. That's awe, Right? It's a little bit of fear, right? A whole lot of curiosity, and then just amazement. 
I mean, they're precious faces. They're just like, what? That's awe. So I put this on, I put it on the screen for you. What is awe? Awe is being a little afraid and curious, but mostly amazed. Awe came upon that early church. To be in awe is to see God as he is and to be overwhelmed. Friends, I'm a, somebody saw God. <laughs> Sometimes that happens too. Especially in the Old Testament, Exodus 3, I think that's what Moses sounded like exactly when that burning bush started talking. Ah! But there's awe. There's, this, there's something that happens. Friends, I'm going to tell you, if you're not in awe of God, you're not seeing God. See, as human beings, we have this unbelievable capacity to make believe. And so what we see happening in our world a lot is people just making up their own God. Well, I just believe God's just all loving. Really? Not holy at all. What a terrible God. Can't trust that one. God is awesome. And to see him as he is, well, it's, it's to be in awe. And, and once you get to experience who he is and what he's done, how generous he's been to you, you can't help but be generous. And that's the, that's the third one, gospel-shaped generosity. Now, verses 44 and 45 is not a description of socialism or communism. And here's why. The people owned the property themselves. Because they owned it, they possessed it, it was out of a heart moved by God that they gave it away, all right? So this is not, this, if you see someone say, well, you know, in Acts 2, 44, it says, you know, socialism, no, it doesn't. It, it teaches generosity. It teaches love and kindness. So what happened? Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling, can you help me with that pronoun? I'd probably need my readers. Can y'all read that out loud with me? And they were selling their, so they owned it. They had it and they gave it. They were being stewards of what they owned and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. There's, a, there's an unbelievable strength in a community of generous believers. I can always tell when someone, when I'm helping someone and I'm pastoring a family or a person, whether or not they're in a small group. For instance, I, I, was, in, I was in hospitals uh, a week ago and, and I could tell the folks that were in small groups how. Because when I walked in, they said, oh, there's already been so many people here. I mean, they got, I mean, I love it too. There's balloons, there's food. I'm usually trying to see if there's any M&Ms that we can share, right? And there's just something that happens powerful when you have a small group and, and you give to each other. When, when someone in your small group has a need, you, you go and you help. You're there. You, you take care of each other. That's what this is describing. This is describing not a program, it's a way of life. What I wanna, I wanna share with you two prepositions and make sure you understand the difference. There are churches that, that with small groups, Churches with small groups. That's not what this church was. And I'm sad to say we're a church with small groups. We have a program. You know what this church was? This was a church of small groups. It was a church of small groups. There's a difference. Churches have programs. This church had a way of life. 
the people were together. They, they were already engaged with one another. They were, it was a church of small groups and they were generous and it created this beautiful faith family. That's the fourth thing. God's people have God's blessing, gospel-shaped family. Day by day, attending the temple together. Notice that. There was 3,000 of them. It's the only place big enough to hold them all. So they gathered like we are this morning, thousands of us gathering. But then what did they do? They not only gathered, but then breaking bread together in their homes. So they gathered for worship. They connected in groups. And what that did... I think some of us are so familiar with church and life, we forget how striking this is. This, this dropped some jaws in the city of Jerusalem in those days because the people were just amazed and it gave the church influence. That's the, that's the last thing. Look at their influence in verse 47. So here they are praising God and having, having favor with all the people because the people Okay, there's about 3,000 of them. There's probably 60, 70,000 regularly in Jerusalem. So it's not, it's not even a majority of the population. It's about 5% of the population. But all the people knew about the church. And they were hearing about how they loved one another. And they were hearing about how they were taking care of one another. How they were gathering for worship and then meeting in their homes. And they had this unbelievable influence I know that that's what happened in my life institutional church made it possible for me to deny God's existence church family proved to me that there is a God and that he is good because when we simply love each other and care for each other and gather and take care of one another. We're countercultural. We don't do it because we've been taxed. We do it because we've been convicted and changed. We don't do it out of, out of just a sense of moral obligation. We do it out of a deep-seated love, a gospel-formed reality that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, friends, I'm going to make sure you understand this. This doesn't just happen, okay? This requires engagement. Let me give you another word for that. This requires time, energy, and money. And some of you are not experiencing this because you refuse to engage. And I understand why. Let me explain. I don't want anybody. Let me make sure I, I understand. Here's what it is. It's your choice, but here's what it is. And you, why don't y'all finish this sentence with me? Oh, we would love to, but we're too. Why are you too busy? Why don't you have money available to give to God? What's your debt looking like? Why? Why aren't you giving the first 10% to God? Why aren't you gathering for worship every Sunday? Why aren't you connected in a group? Why aren't you serving the church and world? Why aren't you making... Friends, you get to choose. There's a lot of people in the world that don't have the, have the 
choices that you sitting right there where you are, that person sitting in your seat right now, there are billions of people that don't have the choices that you can make. And you know what that brings? Responsibility. You're responsible for your life. And if you're a member of this church, you're responsible for the life of this church. And you know what we're called to be? God's blessing. You know where that comes from? It comes from God's people being God's blessing. It comes from these five very, wouldn't you say these are very simple things? Hard to live. Requires the power of the Spirit and the love of Jesus. So I want to challenge you today. Some of you don't have the love of Jesus. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're probably a much better person than I ever was. But without Jesus, you have no hope. Some of you have Jesus, but if you're honest, you're not in awe of him. You're not engaged in the life of the fire that is the local church. And you need to repent and, and you need to make, make changes in your life. And some of you are living it. And, and that's why we are, we are a good church. It's because so many of you have made this a priority, made God's blessing priority. And you are so blessed, aren't you? Those of you who have these relationships, have these things I'm talking about, I want to invite you to come and pray and ask God to strengthen our church that we will be these people. Let's stand together as we pray. Care leaders, would you mind coming forward? They're here to help you. If you need to talk, they'll be glad to talk with you and pray with you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this word in particular that describes for us that early church and, and what it means to be your people, to be your blessing, God's blessing. And we have it, Lord. We have your blessing and we get to be that blessing because of your love. And I pray today for some who need to give their life to you, Lord Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray for those who are saved, that they will see in their lives what's missing and, and confess and repent and commit to serving you as king. And Lord, bless us, please. We wanna be, we wanna be people of the kingdom of God and it requires intentionality. It requires us to make hard choices about our checkbook and our prayer list and our calendar. Help us, Lord. We love you and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.